my name is James Weems. Uh, I've been in the field of art for 30, 35 years. Started when I was 21. And full-time since I've been 30. So I uh, worked commercially for 30 years and then started in the galleries. I think that a lot of this uh, uh, discussion of color or when it comes to my work is usually based on uh, my, my experience in the commercial world where we need X, so I provide X. But what people really want is not really what they're asking for. What I mean, for example, the piece above my head is a picture of hydrangea plant. Each of those little flowers in reality is about two centimeters across and they're white. And we get a request or somebody wants a white flower. If I truly painted white, it would be the starkest image you'd ever could ever imagine. So what you paint is what you see. And then you incorporate violets and chartreuse and grays and, and amber colors. So you, 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 you get to incorporate varieties of color, but the person who looks at it reads white. And that's fine. That's awesome. So I, I incorporate the colors that I see and I accentuate the colors as well. Consider a flower. And the flower is, uh, is something that blooms and dies. But when you actually take a look at it, it's so exquisitely made. Like there is some symmetry. There's some, there's these flowers, there's five petals. And they're all arrayed in a beautiful little ball. And I find it um, aesthetically pleasing and fascinating that this beautifully, like the closer you look at something, a couple of years ago, I got fascinated with beetles. The beetle bug, most people just want to step on them or throw them out of the house. But when you actually look at them, they're beautifully constructed, like exquisitely engineered. And it's crawling around in your garden. So I, I don't know, I, I, like, I like flowers because they're beautiful and people uh, generally love flowers. They have a sympathy for flowers. And you can incorporate a lot of cool things in the flowers. Great colors, abstraction, uh, you can incorporate bugs. A couple of mine have bees flying through them. You know, stuff like that. I know everybody has an ideal that somebody's sitting out on a stool in their garden and painting a picture of a peony, but that's like painting you know, a picture of an animal that you know, it's pretty hard to get to sit still. So because lighting has so much to do with it, we need evening light, evening soft light to bleed through the plant and that where we are, we're on a mountainside right now. So we only get a certain light at a certain time. So we can wait for the sunlight, but the reality is the easiest way to do it is unfortunately to cut them down, bring them into my, I have a, a photography student studio in the basement and then set up uh, black backdrops. And then over a period of five days, as they open, I take different pictures of them. You know, some of them are aesthetically not very pleasing. They're kind of, you know, but some of them open and they have an unexpected inside. Like it's, it's the configuration is different. So I will go down there and shoot two, 300 pictures a night just to get something that looks 
like I can paint. And sometimes I'll take one from one picture and one from another, and then you know graph those graph those in together. But I don't use any. Uh, I am Photoshop challenged, so I literally take them and draw them on to the panel. So I'm old school and slow. Blooming colors. Uh, renewal. Uh, the cycle of life. And that sounds very Walt Disney, but it is true. Like, it's hope. And the first little crocus pokes its head above your soil and it's like, oh, good. Warmth is on the way. Which it never is. It's usually just like a big fake out. But you do get a bit of, bit of color and a drab, uh, a drab surrounding. So as more plants bloom, I think without being too hokey, it's hope, it's renewal, it's a refresh. It's the great reset in the best possible way, not the negative way, where we can kind of reset our attitudes and, and oh yeah, there is hope. Oh yeah, the world isn't that bad. You know, it, there's still a lot of beauty and good left. My sister's a florist and she'll tell me, these are only in bloom for a week. <sighs> So you got to go run and either buy them or, you know, if we, if we don't have them in our garden or find a place, like we got a little trap line. We live in a, uh, in a valley that's about 120 kilometers long, the only temperate part of our whole country. And there will be some places where we, we know the little, uh, the, like the little hydrangeas will be growing. So we've got them mapped out where they are. We run and take pictures or sketches or whatever. So yeah, we, there is a little bit of panic because I forgot that uh, the, I'm not great with the names. It's a blue flower that I use a lot. Delphinium. Delphinium. Uh, it's actually blooming right now. And I need to go get some. But I also have a garden that's exploding. So I, I got to pick and choose my battles, right? We all have been told that we have to you know, take time and smell the roses. And smell the flowers and sit in a garden. But, you know, the, the reality is... We have lives that are important to us and we have commitments. We can't all be smelling flowers and we thank God that bus drivers don't small, smell flowers in the middle of their runs. But there is something to be said for noticing something that's actually very beautifully made, like very beautifully designed, not random and ugly. And they're everywhere. The little blooms are everywhere. And I'm not going to tell you that I walk down the street and stop at every bloom. I do not. But I do try to uh, take something that is possibly ordinary, like a beetle or like, like a hydrangea, and blow it up. So that, you know, consider this for a minute, like five seconds. You know, refresh your mind. I, I, I think that your, your well-being is not necessarily enhanced just because you take a break and meditate on blue skies. I think that your, your well-being is, is enhanced when you realize that you are at the center of the universe. You actually are very blessed where you are. If you've got running water and you've got heat, you've got food, and you have the time to look at a flower, your life's pretty good. And I think it does, if you can be humble and you can be grateful, I think you're, and you can pause long enough and if you can get that across just with a picture of a flower, mission accomplished. I'm, I'm not trying to change the world in big, big chunks. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You know, a little bit of wonder would be wonderful. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit of humility would be good.
that's so that's the way I live. What your life was like when you were a child and where you were raised and who you were raised with has a lot to do with who you are today, of course. And I was raised on a dairy farm. So with a, uh, a stay-at-home mom and a, a hard-working dad and on an acreage with many cows, like that was the living, it's, you know, he just, they, they don't do it anymore. But still, you are confronted with nature and then managed nature because it's a managed farm. So you would get to see things a lot of people wouldn't get to see. You know, you would get to see a, a group of otters in the back slough pond that were running around the bank and ran within five feet of us and just looked at us, well, me actually, because I was the only one out there. And watching blackberry flowers bloom, uh, picking blackberries, you know, the smells of, of, of farmland, of curing silage, of, of fresh grass being cut, uh, wonderful uh, witch hazel flowers that had that beautiful aroma in spring, early spring. You know, those kind of things, I think, shape your opinions later, like shape your directions. So you, you, you may go into life into a career of, of, of visual arts thinking you're going to, you know, change great big things with your work and it's very cutting edge and it's very whatever. And in the end, you end up painting a picture of a flower. You know, it's very peaceful. It's very non-controversial, but it does give you a chance to talk and to like consider a flower. Where did it come from? Why is it here? You know, it's when you consider the fact that a flower blooms, lives for a week and then dies and then nobody looked at it, but it'll do it again the next year, just in case you missed it. I think it's kind of cool. We need to encourage each other, especially now that there are things worth talking about that are serious things that are not necessarily divisive things. You know, there are things that we can talk about and it might just be flowers. And, you know, you have a, you go to the pub and you have a beer and you talk about your garden. And I think it's important for us to, to reestablish connections that are not based on things that will eventually divide us. We have a group of guys from our neighborhood. We go for beers every other Friday and we have rules. There is no politics. There is no talk of uh, religion if it's divisive. We just talk about our lives, about our kids, about our grandkids, about our gardens. And I think that if I could, you know, if I could center or bring back anything, it would be, can we just learn to talk to each other like friends again? You know, can we stop looking both ways before we conspiratorially say, are you such and such? Have you done so and so? You know, what code word am I going to use so you're my friend? You know, how about we just get back to talking about how, is, how are your gardens blooming? How's your wife? How's your husband? How are your kids? Stuff like that. 